Morning, everybody. Morning. Welcome to New City. I was looking out earlier. Uh, my name is Kenny, if we haven't met, one of the pastors here. I was looking out earlier, and I was talking to someone else. I, uh, new City, there's a lot of new faces today. Uh, it's your, if it's your first time, first or second time here, just raise your hand. Wow, that's a lot. Let's welcome everybody. Thank you guys for uh, joining with us today. Uh, today we're talking about the identity that we have in Christ, and one certain aspect of that is family. And um, I was thinking this week um, about my family, and I have uh, nine nieces and nephews, and uh, love them all, each and every one. And uh, I'm from Arkansas, and so some of my family's still in Arkansas, and they, my nieces and nephews have the cutest like southern accents. Um, that I had to, and I still have. If I call my parents right now, I'll get, I'll get the southern accent. Uh, I might say y'all a few times today. That's okay. Um, but one of my uh, youngest uh, nephews was adopted a few years ago. And uh, some of you know it's a long process, and some of you have been through that. Um, and when the papers finally went through, and, and they went to sign the last thing and, and bring him home. It was on Christmas Eve. It happened a few years ago. And uh, there's a picture of uh, uh, when they left the office, the county office there, and um, my brother-in-law holding uh, uh, my nephew, and everyone's just smiling. And one of their friends took a picture there, and it's, it's framed, and it's in their house. And it's just a beautiful moment, right? Because you have, you have there in an the, in image like the moment that he became family, officially, right? They already loved him and all that stuff. But the moment that he was signed on and got a new name and became part of our family, and, and um, we had not just a love responsibility to him, but an official responsibility of we're going to raise this boy. Um, that's a moment right there. A lot of joy in his face. And, and for me, when I see that picture, it brings up a lot of... Um, good memories. Now, I bring that up today because today we're talking about the family of God and us being born into a new identity. And the reason we're talking about this is because the church is primarily the family of God. Everyone's like, I already knew that. (laughs) That's okay. I know there's some people who... there are some people who here today I've lived in community as family with for seven or eight years. And then there's some people who it's the first time you've ever been here today. So there's a wide range of uh, maybe you've experienced the church as being the family of God, and maybe it's kind of a new idea. Maybe it sounds like the mafia. Like, I don't know. Like, is that preacher going to make me an offer I can't refuse? And then at the end of the service, welcome to the family. Welcome, welcome to the new city. Um, yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. All right. Um, but the church is primarily the family of God. God is known as our Father. Jesus taught us to pray to our Heavenly Father. God's always desired a people in the world who would live in such a way that shows the world what He is like. And, and in the cross, in the gospel story, Jesus makes us a family. That's why when you read the Bible, all the scriptures in the New Testament are written in familial language, right? Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brotherly love. It's, it's all a family. But I want to ask, 
is that how you define church? How do you define the church? Because I think so often we get it, we get it wrong because we start to define the church by what she does and not by who she is. I mean, so, oh, the church. Yeah, we, we meet here at 10 a.m. on Sundays. That's, that's the church. Or, oh, no, we're over there in that building. That's the church. Or, no, they have a great youth ministry, that church. Those are all the things that a church may do, and none of those are bad, but that's not who the church is. Is that tracking? Last night, um, uh, so most of you in this room are familiar with uh, the crate, the house over in Golden Hill. Um, and uh, we, we had a, there was a gospel community there uh, kind of based in that house for about five years. And last night, uh, Heidi put together a meeting for just all the people who had lived there or live there currently because they're, they're going to have to move out here in the next couple of weeks. And um, we just kind of wanted to thank God for like the, the end of an era, right? And thank God for all that he did while we were there. And um, We just had, I don't know how, how long it was, but we started off, Heidi started us off and said, hey, let's just share some stories of what God's done here. And uh, I don't know how long that went. I know it was more than an hour. <laughs> But we're all just sitting in the living room because they don't really have furniture now. So we're sitting on the floor in the living room. I think someone fell asleep on the floor. And uh, just this, <laughs> he just shook his head at me. Uh, <laughs> no, um, we're sitting there and we're talking about, hey, I remember, when, I remember when we had that prayer time here and this happened. Or I remember, I remember when... Um, we shared that meal, and I got to hear your story, and I never knew that God had done that in your life, and that just changed the way I saw you. Or we got to hear, like, oh, yeah, remember that time uh, so-and-so came to faith on the porch? Remember that? Remember that time um, needs were met? We showed up, and, and, and uh, had physical or financial needs, and people just came around as family. And it was a beautiful time of sharing that. I, think, I don't think you could be in that kind of setting without a smile on your face. Uh, but at the end, I was telling Heidi, I said, I have to get up tomorrow and preach about family. <laughs> and all I want to do is just take the transcript of tonight and a picture <laughs> and just be like, all right, so everyone do that. <laughs> and, uh, and repent now. Okay, we're dismissed. All right. But think of your family. What makes you family? Is it that... Think of the family that you were raised in. Was the fact that made you family, is it that you ate in the same room or that you slept in the same house or that you shared similar hobbies or rhythms? Was it what you did that made you a family or was it who you are? Was it the fact that you were born into a family through your parents, that you were born into a name, an identity? You were born into a group that was going to help shape who you are. Is that making sense? It's the same way with the family of God. It's not all that we can do together in this city. It's not all that we do here on Sundays. The family of God is people who are born again. Some people say, well, oh, we're all God's children. We're all the family of God. And in some ways, yes, we're all made in the image of God. But the message of the Christian faith is that that image of God has been broken and that it's in a special way that the church is the family of God. Jesus said, uh, or I'm sorry, the writer of John said in John chapter 1, talking of Jesus, I have the scripture up there, but it says that he, that's Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of a human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Just like you're born into your natural family, Jesus says in John 3, you have to be born again to be a part of the family of God. Do you guys, do you have that moment in your life when you know that you were born again? When you placed your faith in Jesus? That's, that's like a picture. Like I'm talking about my nephew, a picture of when he came into the family. That's the picture for you of when you came into the family of God. If, you, if you're here today and you haven't had that, you can have that. You can have that picture, that moment today as God moves in your heart and as faith rises up. The scripture says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is, is Christ, we'll be saved. You can have that moment today. What is that picture for you? So I want you to think about that, but I want to take the rest of our remaining time to think about uh, two pictures that we have in Scripture that talk about family. Is that all right? Two different pictures um, from, this, from the, the great narrative, the story of God, the grand narrative of Scripture, that I think speak a lot to how we live together as brothers and sisters um, in the family of God. And those two pictures are the foot of the cross and the empty tomb. Foot of the cross and the empty tomb. Is that all right if we go there for the next few minutes? Okay. All right. Everyone awake? We got coffee if you need it. (laughs) John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. This is a small three verses uh, uh, at the end of this gospel um, that often just kind of gets, when you're reading it, you just see the main sweep of it and we forget this, this beautiful picture of what happens here. But Jesus is on the cross. Um, he's, he's dying. He's in his last hours. Actually, right after this verse I'm going to read is when he says he, gave, he said it is finished and he gave up his last breath. Right? So that's, that's the moment here. He's been abandoned by his followers. Although some, all they can do is just try to be close enough to watch and see what's happening. Right? Peter's denied him. The others have scattered Judas betrayed him. And he's going through this all alone up on the cross. And uh, I want to read this, uh, starting John chapter 19, verse 25. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, I got a note in the, in the Greek that's not disrespectful at all, all right? Maybe for us English speakers, we're here, well, he started a sentence with woman? <laughs> no, it's not that. It's, a, it's an endearing term of respect. Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, this is the beloved disciple, he says, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. 
And I want you to see something. This is just a picture of the thing that happens also with us at the cross. That when we come to Jesus, when we're brought into the family, when we're born again into the family of God, we don't get a list of to-dos for each other. We don't get a task list. Jesus doesn't say, here's how you take care of my mother, right? At the cross, we get relationships. Relationships that are even stronger than our blood family. Jesus had brothers who would have been the natural ones to take care of his mother, but they weren't there. Who does he say, hey, here is your mother? To his disciple, who's not his blood family. I want you to see that moment of them becoming family at the foot of the cross. And then the disciple doesn't say, well, okay, well, what do I need to do? From that moment on, he took her into his home. He took care of her. At the foot of the cross, we're made family, and we don't get a task list of this is all you have to do to live it right. It's, no, here's a relationship for you to live in. The same Jesus that reconciles us to God reconciles us to each other so that we can image to the world what he's like. This is what it's like to be loved by a perfect heavenly father. Look at it in our family. So I want to look at two ways. The fact that we're made family at the foot of the cross Two ways that that affects us. Uh, one way looking at our identity and one way looking at our relationships. For the first one, our identity, I want to read a verse from Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28. It should be up on the screen. It says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. See, there's family. You're children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus... So you took on the family name, right? You've been born again, you're a child of God, you've taken on the family name in baptism. You have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Being made family at the foot of the cross means our primary identity is not in the things that have the capacity to divide us. Our primary identity is that we belong to Jesus. And so all the things that normally divide us, I, I took a class in college called, uh, what was it called? <laughs> it was a writing class called Creative Nonfiction. And uh, I had one elective and here I was, a biology student taking a random writing class, and, uh, and the, the professor was a really interesting guy. He was Jewish, but he was non-observant. I think he was atheist. He was really funny. Um, we had a 7.30 a.m. class. This is too many details. I'm going to keep moving. Uh, <laughs> no, but he was very, very much in your face, and he gave us these assignments and he said, he, he didn't want us to write about sentimental things. He wanted us to write about stuff that mattered, the gritty stuff, the stuff that gets your kind of tensions flared up, right? And so he said every paper we had to write in there had to be about race, class, or gender. 
And I'm not a real, like, in-your-face, offensive guy. So I was like, oh, man, what are we... Are you sure? <laughs> right? But he wanted us to write about those things that, that are part of our identity, but so often can be used to divide us. But I want you to see in this passage, those are the three categories that Paul, 2,000 years ago, is writing to say, you're one in Christ Jesus. There's not Jew or Gentile. That's race. That's race and ethnicity. The Jews were the people of God who had the law of God, who had an ethnicity and like a distinct ethnicity and a relationship with God. And the Gentiles were these new guys who just heard about Jesus and were like, we love him. (laughs) But they're totally different, totally different backgrounds. He says, hey, you're neither Jew nor Gentile. Doesn't mean that that disappears. It's just not primarily. Right. And you're neither slave nor free. You're neither uh, so in debt that you have to work off your debt for years or, or so rich that you have your own business. That doesn't matter in Christ. You have the same value, you have the same worth, you have the same voice, and you have the same father. You're not Jew or Gentile, you're not slave or free, you're not male or female. Even the very basic way that we identify ourselves within the world, that that's not our primary identity. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that today? If that's, if that's true, it's not, that, uh, it's not that all those things that identify us go away or melt. It's not that we get colorblind or any of that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. It's that the identity we have in Christ sinks like a weight into the bottom of our soul. It's the weightiest thing. And so, and so if I meet someone who's across the world from a different culture, speaks a different language and has nothing in common with me, but they love Jesus, I have more in common with them than someone from my same country that speaks the same language, that has the same income and all that stuff if they're not a Christian. Does that make sense? It's the family of God. The family of God. We'll say more about that in a little bit. But the church, what I'm trying to get at is the church is not the same. It's not a group of people with the same political view. Oh, come on, somebody. got quiet. <laughs> All right, we got an amen. Church is not, not primarily a grouping according to that. It's not primarily a grouping according to our ethnicity or our race. It's not primarily a grouping of, of like-minded people. It's not primarily a grouping of the same social status. It's the family of God, and we're made family by the blood of Jesus poured out for us. I love that old song that says, uh, his royal blood now flows through my veins. Praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the king. What unites us is deeper than any of the superficial thing that, things that could divide us. Amen? Amen. That's, what, that, that's true of this church, and I want us to keep living like that. That what brings us together is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right, so that's how, how this family at the foot of the cross speaks to our identity. I want to talk for a second on how the family at the foot of the cross speaks to our relationships and specifically how we handle it when the idea of family disappoints us, right? Um, how many know that it's, 
uh, well, at least initially, if you're, if you're living with your church's family, it can be really exciting. It's like, oh, this is cool. Like, I have a family, but my church is my church family, and this is exciting stuff. We do life together. Anyone experience that excitement? Yeah, yeah right? And then you hit a point where it's like, oh, yeah, but she did that to me. Oh, no, that doesn't feel good, right? That doesn't feel like family. It's, 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 it's easy for it to be something that's a really fun and, and nice sentiment, but then when you get to the reality and it's a little bit messy, I'm going to assume that I'm hitting a chord. <laughs> How do you handle it when someone in your family, when someone in the family of God hurts you? Because that's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when, right? Just like in our earthly families. <laughs> Have you ever been offended by something your sibling did? Right? right? Got a bunch of stories I'm holding back right now. <laughs> right? So what do we do? What do we do when a brother or sister hurts you or lies about you or lies to you or gossips about you or does something that's just downright painful and wrong? The beauty of being made family at the foot of the cross is that the cross in those situations becomes our peace. It's, it's, not, only, it's not only what makes us family, but it's what allows us to keep being family. It's not only, the, we find that the way that we're forgiven becomes the way that we can forgive other people. The cross gives us the tools to look at that, look at that grace that God gave me. That's proof of how much he loves me to bring me in, right? And now when I've accepted that, then I can extend that to someone else. Have you ever tried to do a job when you don't have the tools for it? Or the training? <laughs> me with the training or tools. It, there's, that's a really hard situation to be in, right? So I, I drive a, a Honda Element, and about two years ago on Easter, my, my, right, my right side uh, window, uh, car window, um, just quit working, and it rolled down, and I was on the freeway <laughs> going about 75 miles per hour, and it's doing that sound like that hurts your eardrum. Yeah, you know about that? Right, so I duct tape it up because I didn't have time to fix it. And then I prop it up. I, I think it was duct taped for a, probably a good year, maybe. <laughs> I just, this is a look into my life, all right? Um, it's going to get fixed one day. Actually, I just gave away the part that it's not fixed. Uh, but no, so my, my uh, it, it was in disrepair for a long time. And then my good friend, Kenny Kay, who many of you know, but uh, he's not here today because they're celebrating their first anniversary. Um, yeah. Way to go, Kenny, Ashley. Right. Um, but my good friend, Kenny Kay, said he just convinced me that I should try to fix it. And so um, there I am in my driveway, armed with a screwdriver and a sense of confidence and uh, ripping off my door panel. I get in there. I can see the problem, and that's about all I could do was see the problem, and I uh, have no idea how to fix it. Um, I still 
drive without the inside paneling of that car door right now. So if any of y'all know how to fix it, come see me after. That whole thing about the pastor being up here later, that's, that's what it's about. No. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm trying to do a job without the tools or the training to do it. And I think sometimes living as family, and especially living as family when the family of God hurts us, can feel like, hey, I don't have the tools for this. How do, how, do I, how do I reconcile? Maybe in my family, I didn't learn, I didn't ever learn how to really forgive someone well and really grow in relationship with them and, and be reconciled to them. It feels like we don't have the tools for the job, but in the cross, we do. The cross gives us the tools for the job. See, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he went to the cross and I believe his blood was poured out instead of my blood because he loved me that much because my sin deserved that penalty, deserved that death and he took it for me and that's what saves me and that's what causes joy in my heart when I think about it. But, but here's how it transfers. When someone wrongs you, you're never going to be free until you can latch onto the truth that Jesus died for their sin. Two, he died for their sin against you. For the thing that makes you want to beat them up, he was beaten to death for it already. That's why he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When we really believe that the cross is, is God's wrath for sin poured out and Jesus taking that for us, taking that penalty for every one, every one of the times we've done wrong, then we can start to let go and say, hey, I can forgive you because of how I've been forgiven. I can love you because of how I've been loved. The last command Jesus gave him, he said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. What does that look like? Till it hurts. It's sacrifice because there's joy on the other side of it. Amen? Amen. And when we see that, the, the cross is what makes us a family. It's not that we like each other, that we haven't ticked each other off yet. <laughs> it's the cross. It's Jesus. That's what makes us family. Then we can forgive like that. Then we can live like that. Then we can extend. We can forgive how we've been forgiven. Does that make sense? And not only is it enough grace to be like, okay, well, I can forgive you. I can put up with you. <sighs> I can put up with you another 60 years until heaven. <laughs> no, it's that, it's that not only do I have enough grace to forgive you because of the grace he's given me, but I, I can actually believe that God is going to complete the work in your life that God's growing you, God's building you, and he doesn't leave unfinished work like my car door. He's got all the tools, he's got all the training, and he's working in your life, even if you've hurt me. He's working in my life. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, and we have it up there, sorry if I'm a little out of order, but it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, that means make you holy, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. When we believe we're made family at the foot of the cross, it's not just, okay, well, I can put up with them. It's like, I can pray and believe 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 for them. 
If I can believe it for me, I can believe it for them. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen. I had another verse, but it was kind of long, and it had to do with circumcision, so I'm not going to read it. Of the heart. Uh, sorry, I just... Sorry. <laughs> That's it. There's no... Just sorry. <laughs> That's a, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to move on to uh, the next picture. As we talked about the picture of being made family at the foot of the cross... And I want to talk about the picture that we have in Scripture of the empty tomb. Because how many know we, we serve a risen Lord? He didn't just die to make his family. He wasn't just buried to make his family. He rose again. The reason we're here today is because we serve a Lord who has risen. The tomb is empty. You can go to the Holy Land all you want, but we're not going to be touring Jesus' tomb because he's not there. They didn't build a shrine around it because there was nothing to celebrate there. He's risen. Amen? Amen. Sorry, y'all got to excuse me. I'm going off my notes, right? <laughs> Someone said the spirit moves when I get off my notes, so. The empty tomb gives us, what does that say about us as being God's family? It says that we're God's forever family. That God's family is eternal. And it won't be broken, and it won't be dysfunctional. It's going to be eternal. It's eternal now, and it's beautiful now in spite of all the mess, and in eternity forever. We get to be God's family. That's what him rising again means. It's the promise and the hope of resurrection for us, that even death couldn't hold him down, and death won't hold us down. Amen? So we're BFFs, right? <laughs> Best friends forever. We're God's family forever. We're GFFs, right? We're God's family forever. Somebody hashtag that. Just kidding. We're God's family forever. I want you to see a little glimpse of that uh, from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. This is a, a prophecy about the end of time about the end of days. And I want you to see this uh, picture that we see. After this, I looked, and there, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Lest we forget the church isn't just us. Right? After this, I looked, and before me there was a great multitude that no one could count. And we know from the first eight verses that they can count to 144,000. So... <laughs> This is more than that. Right? A great multitude before me. No one could count. Where are they from? From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. See, like I said earlier, that stuff doesn't melt away. I was talking to Vince. He said, it's not like a soup. It's like a stew, <laughs> right? It's not like, a, like that Trader Joe's butternut squash soup that's just yellow. It's good, but it's all the same consistency, right? 
it's a stew where you can still taste the potatoes and you can still taste the carrots and you can still taste the beef. Come on, somebody. It's almost lunchtime. Uh, I thought I'd get an amen off that, right? <laughs> that stuff doesn't go away. It's a picture of how we glorify God together now and forever. That today, all across the globe, Christians are gathering together. Some in giant cathedrals that were built 500 years ago. Some in little storefronts on El Cajon Boulevard that I drive by on my way here. Some in a house because it's illegal for them to even meet together and they only have one page of the Bible and they memorize it. But today, the family of God already is representing this, this, this beautiful picture. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language standing before the throne. And here's what brings them together. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen? The empty tomb means that we're God's family forever. That changes everything. That changes everything. It changes everything. (laughs) Jesus has restored and made a new family and given us a mission. And he's given us authority. And he's, the other picture is that we're a body. We're the body of Christ in the world. And that we're all members of the same body. You know, if I cut off my ear, it's worthless. (laughs) I can't give it to you and be like, hey, you need to hear that music? Here you go. Right? No, the value is that it's connected to everything else. It's a member of the body, and alone it's worthless. That's the picture that we have as the church. We're members of the body. We're members of God's household. And if that's forever, then that changes everything we do here. You know what I mean? If we're God's family forever, like how much more important are the things that we do together as a church? If I'm going to be worshiping God next to you and you and you and you forever, like when you wrong me, how much more is it important that I learn to forgive you and help you grow? If I'm going to be worshiping next to you forever, like all of a sudden a meal night for a gospel community on mission isn't just a thing to fit into our week. It's like I'm practicing for heaven, communing with the people of God and thanking him for everything he's given us. You see pictures like we celebrated last night, like I was talking about at the crate. You see pictures of just saying, look at what God has done. Look at the family that he's made. Because God builds his church. Not something we can build. God builds his church. And we get to be a part of it. You see how that, how that changes things? how that gives us a view beyond what we're doing right here and right now. And it gives us not just a view beyond, but even into what we're doing here right now, why we talk about gospel communities on mission so much, why we talk about living these things out together throughout the week, that today is not church, that we are the church, and we've come here today together and worship, but we're going to be the church when we leave too. Amen? It's a beautiful truth that God's called us into.
And I want to I wrap. I want to end right now. But if you're here today and you're hearing that and you're like, I don't know, I'm part of that family. Join us. <laughs> join us. It's not about it. The way you join us is by talking to God. And then we'll welcome you. Talk to God and say, God, I, I believe. I believe. I know I've sinned, but I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again so that I can have new life. And you will begin that relationship. Or if you're here today and you've, you've been doing this for years and, and, and you're kind of like, ah. My prayer and my hope is that that vision of God's forever family would just be awakened. Like, oh my gosh, what a call. What a beautiful thing. Amen? What a beautiful thing. So we're family at the foot of the cross. We're forever family because of the empty tomb. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time together. Um, I thank you for this time together to just talk about this reality, this truth that, that your holy scriptures point us to. God, we see now um, as through a dark mirror or a dark looking glass, but we know that one day we'll see you as you are and we'll, we'll see and understand this even more. And I know that when we're in heaven, it won't be a few seconds before we say, why did I, why did I not trust in this truth more? Why did I hang on to the things that held me back from the family of God and from you? God, I pray that today, um, just any of the words that I've said, I, if I was off base, I pray that you would just correct it, Holy Spirit, in people's hearts. Our heart is to know you, God. Our heart is to worship you. You are such a good father. And we are so loved by you. And I pray that those truths would, would ring out and resound and just vibrate and resonate in our hearts, God. And that you would take this little aspect of your body, God, this, this little church here, God, that you would take us and that you would grow us as we just discover and lean in to what it means to be brothers and sisters and you to be our father. God, I pray for reconciliation today, God. If something I said convicted someone's heart, if the Holy Spirit convicted your heart and you're here today, I, I urge you to reconcile. There's no condemnation. Go to your brother or your sister and reconcile. Even today, if they're here, don't hesitate. Be reconciled. And God, I pray that you would just open our minds, open our hearts. I pray for someone who's here today who, who is not yet part of your family, that they would join, that there would be such a deep longing in their heart and that they would just begin to cry out to you in their hearts. Lord, we thank you for your work. Thank you for, um, for saving us, rescuing us, and redeeming us, and for giving us a family forever uh, with you at the center. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.